This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. So yesterday, um, I drove up to Waco to go meet Laura's uh, parents so that I can pick up my family and bring them back. So it was a good drive. Um, It was a lot quieter going up there than it was on the way back, but it was still good. And I really missed my family. I mean, I did. I was um, alone, I guess you could say, for almost a week, and I got a lot of things done. I was able to get all the the online learning stuff that I needed to get done. Um, And then now I have to study for another test. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, that's just part of what it what it's all about. And so with that, this next test is called the PPR test for short, but it's the um, Pedagogy and Professional Responsibilities, and it's EC, Early Childhood, all the way to 12th, so there's a lot in there. Um, but what they say is that it's not as nearly as uh, hard to study for or to take for, than what I did before, which was a science composite test. So I think the hardest stuff is behind me, but I still have to figure this out too. And uh, with all that said though, I know that I think it's true really what they say, which is absence makes the heart grow fonder. You've probably heard this before. And while I was able to accomplish all these things, I also, in the time that I was not studying and not doing other things, I was able to kind of think about how much of a blessing that my family is to me. And so I couldn't help but think about how Laura and the boys have really shaped my life and really made it so much more than it would be without them. And the majority of what I do in my life is for them. And all this hard work and sacrifice, it's really for them. And I am blessed to have this teaching position that's coming up And I'm also blessed to be serving here with you, my church family. And now I know that I am far, far from perfect. And I know that my life is far from perfect. And I can very easily, very easily concentrate on all the ways that my life is not perfect. I can very easily think about how it has not gone according to my plan. And I can think about all the hardships and all the heartaches. Or I can actually take the time, make the time, and then very easily count each blessing and be thankful. And these blessings, like I said, have truly shaped me and my life. And I'm thankful for all of it. Now, We would like to say that we live in this eternally thankful state of being. Like we just live life and we're just so thankful for it and so amazing. But if we're honest with ourselves, and I hope that we will be, it's near impossible to live like that, really. And there is so much that goes wrong and so much that doesn't go according to plan, our plan, And there is so much that we feel like we deserve that we're just not getting or we just haven't received yet. And it's so tempting to live our lives in this 
kind of half glass, half empty mindset and approach to life. And the way I see it is this is our life. It's the only one that we have. And it might not be perfect, but it is the only one we have. And we actually have the power. We do have the power to choose how we view our lives and to live our lives. Now, I know it's easier said than done to actually choose to take that higher road, to, to think about things and be thankful for them instead of concentrating on all the negative. I know it's easier said than done, but today we look at the life of Abraham to help us on this quest of living our lives and to live a life concentrating on the full life and counting every blessing. So, we're in Genesis. Uh, last week we talked about Noah, and there's a lot of things that we learned about Noah, and now we go a little bit further, and we talk about Abraham. And this is still in Genesis, and it starts in chapter 12 with Abraham. But just before that, just before that, in chapter 11, if you're not familiar with what happens in chapter 11, I'll remind you. But chapter 11 is when we read about the Tower of Babel. Now, please go back and read all of Genesis. There's a lot that happens in a very short amount of time, so I, I can't cover everything. So I I'd invite you to go back and look at Genesis again, knowing what you know now, knowing what you've experienced in your life now. Go back to Genesis and see what God reveals to you there. Now, like I said, so much happens in just a few chapters. So if you remember... Um, those that were a part of the repopulation after the earth was flooded was with Noah's family, right? And they spread and they formed a community. And God made them have different languages. Tower of Babel, remember? Um, they were trying to build this tower all the way up to heaven so they can be like God and all that sort of stuff. But the God made them have different languages and spread them out all over the earth. And then the story focuses then on the particular lineage of Shem, which then finds its way all the way to Abram. And two things that we know at the very beginning when we come across Abram. Abram married Sarai, or in Spanish it's Sarai. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but I knew a couple of people named Sarai, Sarai. And one of the things we know about her was that she was barren and she can't have children, right? The other thing we know about them is that they were settled in the land of Canaan. So that's a lot to take in, I know, but this is very important as we go into the story of Abram who will become Abraham. So we start in verse 12, or sorry, chapter 12, verse 1. And it says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, that is Canaan, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Okay? So this is where the promise comes in. We're not quite there yet, but God is already directing Abram to go. There's, there's a... 
action involved in the promise. So this promise basically necessitates Abram leaving his land and his family. And this is where it all begins to come into focus and take shape. This is the beginning when we first really encounter Abram. And then all those other people from the different lineages and all that sort of stuff, they're other places in the world, but we're concentrating. Everything just kind of narrows down and we're focusing on this particular person, Abram. And because he married Sarah, Sarai, Sarah, Sarai. And so it goes on a little bit further. Things happen. Like I said, I can't cover everything. I can't cover the whole life of Abraham and Abram and Sarai, who will become Sarah. So I encourage you to go back and look at it. But we're just going to have the little snippets here. So that's the beginning. We talked about in verse, uh, sorry, in chapter 12, we're going to have this first talk about the covenant or the promise. And then we're going to see that promise come back again. And again, a lot of things happen in between here and there. So I encourage you to go back and, and read this. But we're going to highlight these different sections. So it begins in chapter 17, verse 17. And it says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flame torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant, which is a promise, which is a contract kind of thing. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates. Sounds good. But if you remember, this is the promise that, that God, this covenant that God is making with Abram. But if you remember, Sarai was barren. She could not have children. So there's a problem. So, Abram can do one of two things. He can go with that problem and think about that problem, concentrate on that problem, or he can go with the promise. Think about that promise and have his life shaped by that promise. And, as you might know, we continue on with the promise and not the problem. Kind of. So I would encourage you again to go back and read this, but there's several things that happen but in the, in the back of his mind, there is two things happening. There's what's happening in the world, what the world is saying, probably about him, probably about his wife. And there is also what God is saying to him about him, about his wife, about these descendants. And how is he supposed to have descendants if he can't even have kids? It doesn't quite make sense. But we go forward. So that was in 15. Now things happened. I won't go into everything that happened, but things happened. And now a lot of time has passed and Abram was 99 years old. A lot of time has passed, 99 years old. And the Lord appears to Abram. And he said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So this is part of it. This is what I'm asking. This is what I'm telling you to do. 
And if you do that, it's contingent upon that. But when you do that, I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. All that is to say, you're going to have a lot of descendants. And if you think about Father Abraham, we haven't got to Abraham yet. But when we think about Father Abraham, you know the, the song, right? Father Abraham had many, many sons had Father Abraham, right? You get, you get the whole thing going. Now, this is kind of get us in the mood, of course, for, um, for what's going to happen this week, which is Vacation Bible School. But, but there is something about that. Again, this, the promise is still there. The covenant is still there. But he's getting older. And more and more obstacles are coming his way. Then he continues. Then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. In other places, you, you hear this over and over and over, but in different ways, like the, as many stars as there are on the sky, there's going to be even more. You're going to have even more children, more nations coming through you. Yeah, but I'm 99 and I still don't have a kid yet. Look at the grain of sands. There's so many. You're going to have more children. You're going to have more nations that come through you. Yes, but I'm still old. And I still don't have kids. I know the promise, but I also know the problem. And then in verse 5, he says, No longer, this is God talking to, to Abram, No longer will you be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. So there's a name change. Whenever there's a name change, something different happens. And so here we think about what that name might even mean. And so Abram, and the Hebrew version of what Abram means, is exalted father. Like you're going to be a father, and not just a father, but the father of many. And then go a little bit further. Abraham is kind of an extension of that, which means father of many, right? But exalted father, father of many, it's still the same promise, but it takes a different shape just a little bit. Now, again, he's old. He doesn't have kids, but God is still promising this, right? Then we get to this last part. By myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because, remember, he said, do this. I'm commanding you to do this, and then you can get this promise. By myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this. You have not withheld your son, your only son. So let me back up a little bit. You probably know about this, too. So, Eventually, he has a son. In his old age, he has a son. And his son's name is Isaac, right? And if you remember what happens with Isaac, well, you know, the God is, is going to be very faithful because God has given us, given him this child that he has promised. He said that here's a promise. I'm going to give you a child and many nations through this lineage. And then he says, okay, well, I'm going to ask you to sacrifice your son. Remember this part? And they go up to the mountain, and then 
you know, he's ready to, to sacrifice a son. And then Angel comes and says, no, no, you're good. Like, thank you for the effort. I, I, if it was a test, I don't know, but you passed, right? And then there is a sacrifice that comes, but not by his only son, but by through an animal that's in the thicket that comes and is, has this, um, that's what's going to be sacrificed. So the Lord provides, right? And then this comes. Because you have done all of this, because you have been faithful, and you have not withheld your son, the son that I gave you, and he knows that, I will indeed bless you, and I will make your offering as numerous as the stars in heaven and the sands that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall pass the gates of their enemies. And by your offering, by your offspring, shall all the nations of the earth gain blessings for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. So there's a lot that happens. And again, I can't do the whole life, but there's just some pockets here and there that I'm going to highlight. There was a first initial thing with whenever he was Abram, God came to him and said, you need to go from here. Go from where you know you are and go to where I'm telling you to go. And then he said, I'm going to make you a father of nations. Okay. And then he finally does. And then that next part is, okay, because you have not withheld your son from me, the one that I have blessed you with, that I promised you, I am going to make you a father of nations. And he does. We are part of that lineage. But the thing here to think about is that how many times in our lives do we listen to the problem? How many times do we see, yeah, but that's not logical. That doesn't make any sense. And because of that, I don't know about this promise. I think about the problem more so than I think about the promise. And I hear what other people say. I hear what is going on in my life, and I, and I see that, and then I see this promise that you've made with me, and I have to choose one or the other. I have to live my life around one thing or the other. And I can only think, I can only imagine, again, whenever you have Abram, Abram marries Sarai, and then Abraham becomes, I mean, Abram becomes Abraham, and then Sarai becomes Sarah, so Abraham and Sarah. But I can only imagine what other people were saying to them as they were getting older in age. Oh, you got some promise, right? Where is it? Where is your God? Because I see you getting older. And I see that's less and less of a possibility. And I can only imagine the snickers. I can only, not what you eat, but the things that, that people are saying about about Sarah as she's walking maybe a hush falls upon the crowd maybe a few things here and there but people know about this promise but they also know that there are all these problems there's all these obstacles there's all these hardships now I can imagine that just a little bit and again it's not just Abraham's story it's not just Abraham that is a hero of faith, but it's also Sarah. Because if you remember, there was a time when these 
visitors, these um, aliens as they call them, not from the sky, but from the desert, come in and they welcome in these aliens, these three people, these um, foreigners, and they welcome them in. And by doing so, they're going to be blessed. And they continue this promise, God will bless you. They could have been angels, right? God will bless you with a child. And Sarah, hearing this in the background, she's not in the, in the midst of it, but she's kind of off to the side, and she overhears this, and she laughs. She laughs. She's like, that's funny, because that's never going to happen. And yet, it did. And she was blessed by it. Abraham was blessed by it. We were blessed by it. So I think about the time when Laura and I were um, were married, and for the I think I've said this before, but for the longest time since she was the age of thirteen, she had been told you should not that she, she can't, but you shouldn't have kids. You shouldn't have kids from the age of thirteen. That's what she was told. And then so I knew that going into the marriage that we weren't going to have biological kids of our own because she shouldn't do that. She was told from a long, for a long time that that's not something she should do. And then we came across a period of time where we're like, well, we know that we shouldn't do this. We know that we shouldn't have biological kids of our own. So we were contemplating her getting her tubes tied, which means can't have kids, right? So just kind of take that off the table. And at that point, she was maybe, I don't know, 28 or so. Because we thought that it wasn't a possibility for us. And she was on her way to the appointment with her sister. And I was at a mission trip or something like that. I couldn't be there with her. So her sister took her. But in the back of her mind, in the back of Laura's mind, she was like, you know, I know what I've been told since I was 13. But I can't help feeling like I'm going to be a mother. And I'm not just talking about maybe adopting. No, I know that I'm going to have kids of my own. I just, I just feel that. And because I feel that, I'm not going to go through with this. So on the way over there, she cancels the appointment. And I wonder what if she would have gone through with it, what we would have missed out on. The blessings we would have missed out on. Had she gone through with it, we would not have experienced the blessing that is my son Jackson, who's nine now. And later on, Knox, who's five now. And I think about that. I think about that if she had listened to what the world was telling her and saying, okay, well, this is what I need to base my life around. This is what I need to shape my life around is this problem. Or if she did what she did, which is, I can't do that. I have to. I have to follow this promise. I just have a feeling I have a feeling that I am going to be a mother and not just an adoptive mother, but a mother. And I'm so glad that she chose that. 
little did we know that we would have missed out on two amazing blessings. But how many times in our lives, how many times in our lives have we listened to the problem over the promise? Because I will tell you that Abraham and Sarah, they did not live a perfect life. They made many mistakes, but the promise was still there. And in comparison, or maybe contrast, to Noah of last week, we see that Noah was blameless in the eyes of God, and everybody else was not, right? They chose only evil, but not Noah. Noah was good, maybe even close to perfect. He was blameless. Not Abraham and Sarah. They were not perfect, but they were part of a promise. And I think that that means a lot for us because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am not perfect. But I can still be part of a promise. And that goes for all of us. I wonder what, what promise God is speaking into your life. I also know that there are problems all around us. And we can concentrate on that. We can shape our lives around all the problems in our lives and we can concentrate on that. Or, and you have the choice, or we can shape our entire lives around the promises of God. And I wonder, what new blessings lie in store for us because we have concentrated on because we have shaped our lives around the promises of God. My hope and my prayer is that you choose the promise over the problem. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.